The sermon from St. John's Evangelical Lutheran Church of Hancock, Minnesota, a member of the Wells, preached on June 19, 2011, based on 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God from which the Holy Spirit uses to draw our attention to our Savior is 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. This is the word of our Lord. Please be seated. Dear friends in Christ, fellow saints washed clean in the blood of our risen Savior. Two young men headed out to the Rockies for a little adventure. And so when they heard about Devil's Gulch, they figured they were up to the challenge. The locals warned them that Rock climbing there was strictly prohibited. The cliff was just too unstable. And that meant any kind of rescue attempts were highly dangerous. In fact, three years earlier, a rescue attempt had failed and one of the rescuers was fatally injured. Even evacuation by helicopter was very dangerous because of unpredictable gusts and updrafts. These two men figured that they knew better They had already gone through three years of college together. Now they could conquer this cliff together, they figured. And so they headed out there towards Devil's Gulch, ignoring the posted warnings, climbing over the fence. About an hour into their excursion, the rocks gave way beneath them. They half slid, half fell for about 50 yards or so, and when they finally came to a stop, one was pinned under a boulder, the other had a compound fracture in his leg. Did they deserve to be rescued? Grace. Grace shows kindness and favor to those who do not deserve it. And the grace that Jesus has shown to you and to me came at great personal cost to him, much greater than any rescue team would have risked. And that's why sometimes grace is described as God's riches at Christ's expense, G-R-A-C-E. For that's what grace freely brings us, God's riches at Christ's expense. And so as Paul closes this second letter to the Christians in Corinth, he puts their focus squarely on the grace of of the Lord Jesus Christ. Such simple words, but what profound depth. Grace, undeserved, unearned, unmerited, unasked for. That's why it's free, but it's not cheap. And when we consider ourselves here, we realize that we are not just some 20-something know-it-alls whose self-assurance and arrogance has gotten us into trouble. We were much worse, weren't we? We were criminals. We were rebels. We were traitors. We were empty, hopeless, evil, and wicked. We were loveless and unlovable. We begin to appreciate the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ only when we begin to realize what we were and still would be without His grace. And this is so impossible for our natural minds to to really comprehend that even 
illustrations of grace fall far short. For example, sometimes to illustrate grace, the story is told of how a mother praises the color scribblings of her three-year-old as if they were a great work of art displaying them on her refrigerator. Now, the artwork certainly doesn't deserve that praise, but is this grace? Do you see the fatal flaw in that illustration? Yes, the artwork doesn't deserve the praise, but isn't the mother really praising the effort and the good intentions of her child? That's not grace. It may well be good parenting and love, but it's not grace. For there is something in the child that the grace depended on, that the praise depended on. You see, even our natural sinful self will admit that our works are not masterpieces. Yes, even the best I do may just be like color scribblings. But at least, at least I I gave it a good shot. I did my best. I, I had good intentions. That's what our old self claims. But do you see how that claim destroys grace? If grace depended on anything at all in you or me, if grace depended in any way on our desire, our asking, our effort, our intention, no matter how feeble, then it would no longer be grace. Grace is undeserved, unearned, unmerited, unasked for. And when you get right down to it, before we knew the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, none of our intentions were truly good in God's sight. Oh, we might have thought that they were good, and others might have even praised them as good. But that's how much sin blinded us. In the same way, all of our desires and efforts were bent away from God, running contrary to his will, even when we thought we were pursuing the divine or the spiritual. That's what we were before we knew the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And now that faith is alive in your hearts by by that grace, all your holy desires, your good intentions, your God-pleasing efforts are worked in you by the Holy Spirit. So how could we claim any credit, any merit for them? All the credit, all the glory goes to the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Stand in amazement at such grace, unearned, undeserved, unmerited. For while we were still sinners, while we were still his rebellious enemies, Christ died for you. Yes, God's riches came to us at such great expense to Christ. He died for you not because of anything in you or anything you might do, not because of any effort or intention you would make or might make someday. Stand in amazement at His grace. For He died for you, not because of anything in you, but because He is the Lord, the God of free and faithful grace. He died for you to redeem you to be His people so that he is your Lord who has ransomed you with his blood to be his very own. He died not just any death, but your punishment, your hell, your death. For you see, he is Jesus, 
who became a flesh and blood to be your substitute, your sacrifice, your Savior. He is the Christ, the Anointed One. For He carried out the mission the Father had appointed and sent Him to do. He carried out and completed His mission to pay for all the sins of the entire world, including all of yours, and to win eternal life for you who believe. What grace! And be sure of this grace, as astounding and as amazing as it sounds, be sure of it. Because, look, Jesus rose from the dead. He ascended in glory. He is ruling over all at God's right hand. His mission is accomplished. What grace! The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as Paul here puts our focus on the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then he continues and talks about the love of God. How great, how lavish the love the Father has showered on us. And yet it is only through the Son, Jesus Christ and His grace that we know the Father and His love. And that's why Paul began the blessing with the focus on the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. But now in the second part here, as as we move on to the love that the Father has shown to us, no doubt your minds jump to that greatest gift of love that he has given. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. And that same love chose you in Christ from before the creation of the world. What grace! It's impossible to separate the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ from the love of God our Father towards us. But rather than simply repeating what we already talked about in the first part here, let's focus on what God's love does for you and me after we are reborn into His family and so through faith know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. What does God's love do for us? as his children, as Christians. Now, to help us, first of all, think about what does love do in general. Recall the short story O. Henry told uh, called the, the Gift of the Magi. A young couple was too poor to buy gifts for each other, Della and Jim. And so unknown to one another, Della had her long, beautiful hair, which she so treasured, cut and sold, so that she could buy a chain for Jim's prized pocket watch that was handed down from his grandfather. And meanwhile, Jim had sold the pocket watch and bought beautifully ornamented combs to decorate Della's long hair with. We note the irony there. But we also see what love does, don't we? Love gives. No matter what the cost, love gives. What has the Father's love given to you? So great is his love that some of his gifts he showers on all people. He makes the sun to rise. He sends the rain, whether they are good or wicked, whether they are his children or not. How richly the Father's love has blessed us with these earthly gifts, including our time, talents, and treasures. But his love doesn't stop there, does it? 
picture a wise, good, powerful, wealthy king. All the inhabitants in his realm, even the criminals and naysayers, enjoy the peace and prosperity that come under his rule, but he reserves his greatest gifts for his children. And you, dear friends, you are children of the Heavenly Father through faith in Christ Jesus. For you have been reborn into his family through the water and word of baptism. What great gifts the Father's love lavishes on you, his dear children. Shall we name a few of these gifts? Faith, so that you are called sons of God, for that is what you are in Christ Jesus. Peace, for you know that your sins have been taken away and that you are reconciled to God through Christ's death. The scriptures, so that you may believe in the Son, Jesus Christ, and know the Father's love. The sacraments that offer, give, and seal to you His promises of love and forgiveness. Prayer, so that you may approach the holy, almighty God as a dear child going to your dear Father, casting all your cares on Him anytime, anywhere, for any reason at all. Fruit, so that you may offer your bodies as living sacrifices, knowing that all that you do out of faith in Christ is pleasing and acceptable to your Heavenly Father. Perseverance, so that no matter how hard the trials of life may bear down on you, in Him you have the strength and courage to go on. Joy and fulfill, or fulfillment, for you know that your life has true meaning and purpose in Christ. Joy, which finds in Christ true contentment and happiness. And finally, hope, for you have an inheritance that will never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you who believe. Cherish these lavish gifts and all the gifts that the Heavenly Father's in His great love has freely given to you, dear friends, dear fellow children of God. And in a way, these great spiritual gifts can all be summed up by remembering that He gives you and me His Holy Spirit through His Word and Sacraments. Yes, the same love that gave you His Son continues to give you His Holy Spirit through the means of grace. That's where all those spiritual gifts come from. And so just as we cannot separate the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ from the love of God, we can separate neither of them from the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And that brings us to the third and final portion of the blessing. As we think about the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, picture the camaraderie and closeness that develop among soldiers. Under bombardment from the enemy cut off from home, relying on one another for their very lives. They become a band of brothers. How close this fellowship can be. Even though World War II has ended over 65 years ago, those who are still with us have not forgotten that bond. Just as those who have served since then have not forgotten their brothers and sisters in arms. 
But as close as that fellowship is, the Holy Spirit has worked an even closer fellowship among you, God's people. A fellowship that does not simply last a lifetime, but for eternity. For you are true brothers and sisters in Christ. For the Holy Spirit has given you rebirth through the washing of water and the word in baptism. We are one family in Christ. And so the Holy Spirit has not only brought us into this family, he has made us fellow soldiers of the cross, united in the holy Christian church, the communion of saints. The Holy Spirit has brought us into this fellowship, this army of God, you might say. And we certainly in this life are under the bombardment of Satan as he bombards us with his lies and temptations. Absent from our true home, we feel the tug of fear, uncertainty, doubt, and despair. How cold and dank the trenches of this earth are compared to the glory of heaven. But take heart, dear Christian, take heart. You are not alone. Look to your right and look to your left. Fellow soldiers of the cross, rely on your brothers and sisters in Christ carrying one another burdens. Treat each other as fellow soldiers of the cross, for that is what you are. Build one another up. Don't use your tongue to tear down. Rather, rather bring Christ and his word to each other. Every time we come to the Lord's table and stand here for Holy Communion, we are confessing this wonderful fellowship the Holy Spirit has united us together in. Don't let your lives outside of these walls deny that fellowship. Yes, this, this wonderful fellowship is built on the truth of God's word. That is its only foundation. And it is bound together with that brotherly love the Holy Spirit has kindled in our hearts. Don't let false doctrine undermine that foundation and destroy this fellowship. And don't let loveless words and actions pull it apart. Rather, fill yourself with the Holy Spirit. Let him dwell in you richly as you fill your heart and mind with his word. That draws ever closer in this marvelous fellowship. And yet, as, as marvelous and wonderful as this fellowship the Holy Spirit has worked among us that we share, all of that is due to an even greater fellowship the Holy Spirit has brought you into. He has brought you into fellowship with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He in you and you in Him. For the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ has taken away your sin that once separated you from God. The love of the Father has brought you into His family to lavish you with His gifts. And the fellowship of the Holy Spirit keeps you in the one true faith so that you may enjoy this fellowship with one another and most of all, so that you are united with the triune God. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.